0: hello everybody and welcome to the show this is a fantastic one I have an er doc for you today such a good guest such an important episode oh man there's a few things in this episode that just hit me so hard and i think they're uh, i think you're really going to enjoy it um i I I want you to know that at the end of the episode, I have I'm going to go through a couple a little bit of research that I did afterwards, um, clearing up stuff that um, that maybe an ER I I talked with with uh, my guest Graham afterwards that maybe an ER uh, doc wouldn't have access there. You know, there's new information coming in. Um, all the time with things so relevant to a couple of the questions that I ask at the end. So if you want to stick around to the end, I'll, um, I'll go through a little bit of that with you, especially because I thought I heard some pretty good news on this episode and, and then looked into it a little bit more. And there was, uh, some, some reason to, uh, hold up my optimism a bit. Um, so, uh, the the other thing is YouTube comments are a great way uh, to ask follow up um, questions if if you have because I'm I'm gonna keep on getting guests in various fields by the way I'm I'm gonna be spacing out how often I do um, COVID episodes more than I have been recently um, it's just been everything's been timely and as we're having a um, you know. As the numbers are are dropping, I thought this would be um, one a good time to um, uh, talk to some people about just how um, uh, you know what what risks um, there are out there and their take on how me- media is portraying things, and also um, just. In terms of, you know, I'm I'm trying to figure out touring and stuff like that. And I want to know a a little bit of what the future looks like and how we can um, kind of do a a better job or get more on the same page uh, as new variants arise. Um, So great episode. Very unfortunately, there's a slight, slight little bit of infrequent audio issues that happened that weren't picked up during the episode something with the program that i'm using oh my gosh guys there's just like ah things like this pop up once in a while they drive you crazy you have the perfect program you've been using it for a year and then odd stuff bubbles up and you got to figure out why you guys know you have computers and such things happen it's not bad at all but i wanted you to know that we are aware of it and addressing it and um, your support on patreon.com slash shane moss allows us to make this uh, this podcast completely ad-free and in addition to that additional support um, allows for my amazing underpaid editor, Matt, to uh, spend extra time, um, you know, fixing issues like this in post and, and cleaning things up so that they aren't uh, nearly as, um, as intrusive or distracting as the kind of raw audio was so it actually sounds really good, but one to let you know that we're aware of it. And always, you can put things in YouTube comments if uh, if any app that you're using, right? You notice anything like weird? We love feedback like that because we want to make the best product possible. So always bring stuff like that to our attention because we aren't listening to the podcast on every app and whatnot. So. We depend on, um, uh, on information from you guys. Anyway, this is an awesome episode, so enjoy it. You guys are awesome. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are hello everybody and welcome to the here we are podcast we have a very special episode for you today it's been a while since i've uh, i've interviewed someone that isn't uh isn't just an academic working in uh in a university and once in a while we uh we get to interview people um that are kind of working hands-on in the real world on things and uh today we have an er doctor joining us by the name of graham walker graham thank you so much for joining the show
1: thanks for having me shane good to be here
0: first off before i before i kind of introduce why i reached out to you um i i've asked people for some questions and stuff ahead of time for this, number one question people had was, "How are you?" <laughs>
1: uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, that, that's a good question. Thank you for asking. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely in an okay, okay space now. I've had times where I'm not as okay. Um, I think everybody in healthcare, especially in you know in the ER and kind of in, in the front lines, as they say, uh, we've all had some. Times where we're crispy and burnt out and not OK. But yeah, I'm I'm doing doing pretty good right now. Thank you. For well, asking. <laughs> there's
0: two ways of looking at your occupation from from. I'm, well, probably more than that. But I would I would think there is one major concerns about burnout, which probably is not something that's new to COVID, um, any, anyway. yeah, fair, but, fair. um, but, uh, and then, but then on the other end of it, um, you know, you get to do the most good at the same time. So you're the Huzzah. most overwhelmed, but you get all of that, uh, all those wonderful feelings of fulfillment, um, yes. hopefully from it and hopefully that makes things less frustrating and everything else for you.
1: Sometimes, sometimes
0: um so what what are uh let's see what what's the date today is it february 10th
1: the 10th yeah. so
0: yeah i'm not sure when I'm, I'm i'm probably putting this out next week so um what are what have things first off where are you based out of what hospital do you work yeah. at and what have things been like lately
1: i'm here in san francisco california uh, i work at kaiser uh permanente san francisco but I do not represent their view. Uh, well, I agree with them, but I am not speaking for them. I should right. say, um, and yeah, so uh, things are um, things are doing okay here. Um, certainly, more okay than a lot of the country. You know, we're the um, probably the most. I think we're often tied with Seattle and Portland. Um, Where I think we're the most vaccinated city in the country. Um, certainly, I think the kind of metropolitan area in terms of you know the Bay Area generally. Um, so relatively, we have had it, um, we've had it relatively easy compared to a lot of other places with, uh, you know, friends, friends and colleagues that work in ERs across the country have had it way worse, but you know, that doesn't mean that we've necessarily had it easy either, you know?
0: Yeah. So you, you keep up with a lot of, uh, I, I imagine you must keep up with quite a bit of what doctors are, are going through in lots of other parts of the country.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, You know, uh, through, I mean, social media and then, you know, text threads and signal, you know, group chats and stuff like that. Definitely seeing and hearing, um, you know, a a much more unedited version of what people are experiencing, you know, because I'm mostly talking to other doctors and mostly ER, but, you know, friends from med school, other doctors and nurses um, who We'll give you give it to you really clear.
0: What, what what's that feeling? What's what's the vibe out there? Of,
1: of me or them?
0: Them, I would say.
1: Oh, uh, the vibe is. Um, I, I mean, at this point, I think the vibe is generally numbness, just kind of <laughs> numb to all of COVID and the whole pandemic. Um, as as really as a defense mechanism, more than anything. Yeah, um, I, I think to the point of like, oh, okay, you have COVID. Okay, uh huh. Um, I, I will do my best to care for you, you know, and that's regardless of vaccination status. I would say people are certainly more frustrated um, with people who are unvaccinated who have COVID. But generally, you know, at this point, numb to the whole thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's def. it definitely feels like um, many of us have lost the sense that this is a calling. Um, yeah and, that this yeah. Was, that, uh, and the, you know it feels more that this is just a job. Um, yeah. This is the job I do. I will continue to do my best job I can with it. I will continue to take the best care of my patients I can. I'm not gonna um, it's not that I'm gonna be lazy just kind of phone it in but it, it is it, it no longer feels like a calling um, and that I am giving a large part of myself in exchange for, kind of societal whatever that social contract is that i thought i was (laughs) (laughs) was um when i went to med school and did residency and you know like decided to be an er doctor working nights and weekends and holidays for my whole life um which again i signed up for it um but it's definitely more okay this is a job i'm i'm gonna do the job but it's not um this is it's very clear to me and I, i think probably most healthcare workers that um Society really doesn't care enough about us for this to be a calling anymore. Yeah, it's a general feeling of, of a lot of people.
0: Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I feel for you. That's <laughs> and, and, my you know, feeling I, as well. Not,
1: I, yeah, I mean that, that's not the that's not the position I would like to be in. I would like. Um, I mean, I, I understand the other side of people being tired of this and you know wanting to open up wanting to get back to normal if they can remember what that was i mean i do too Uh, (laughs) nobody more than me wants to get back to normal um you know both in my professional life of not having to wear a face shield and goggles and a face mask and an n 95 all day and you know special gear for every single patient that says they have a cough or trouble breathing or a fever um which is a lot every day to just my personal life of like i'd love to Go back to a movie theater and stuff. Um, I understand all that, but uh, it doesn't feel like it, whether it's from the media not portraying it. It doesn't feel like people are at all aware. Yes, you, I mean it'd be it'd be better if they were aware. If they were just unaware, it's much worse if they just don't really care anymore um, mm. about the challenges of healthcare workers in you know in in the pandemic.
0: Yes, well said. Um, yeah, that's. I, before COVID, I was touring around <laughs> the world doing shows and stuff. I lost 95% of my income. And there's a lot of, you know, people within the yeah. com- comedy community, there's a lot of motivated reasoning for both comedians, comedy clubs, anyone that's in the business of packing people indoors. There's a lot of wonderful cat that you have there, by the way. What's your cat's name in the background? Sorry. No, this don't be Ollie. sorry. You don't apologize for surprise <laughs> cats. That's a bonus. I was like, I,
1: yeah, I can't control him. Do what he wants.
0: Um, but yeah, that's, you, you know, that's, that's, it, it, it's the complete opposite side of it. You know, I want to live in a world where it's just, fine for people to just pack shoulder to shoulder and everything else. And I I want to tell myself reasons why that's okay for all of us to just go back to normal. And I don't, I don't need to risk my own health caring for other people's health because people are living in what, in many ways, I think is a fantasy world. I mean, I mean, there's, there's also, there's fatigue and numbness out there. And, but there's also a lot of like inexcusable indifference and just how political everything got is, is, uh, I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta be so incredibly discouraging. What, what would it take for you to, what would it take for the job to feel like a calling again? to feel like Mm. more appreciated like we were kind of like working together toward a common goal
1: a great question Shane um (laughs) uh, you know I think a a couple things like the the store I mean and this is not new but the story that the that many kind of figures in society and that's politicians some of the media you know naysayers, the story that um, people are telling or have told about COVID is very different from the story that I have lived and that my patients have lived and my coworkers have lived. And um, and so that that's like a big, I think that's really hard to um, hear over and over because you're constantly told you're constantly hear one story, but you're living a different one every day when you go to work. And you're like, how is this? It's very frustrating and it's very exhausting. Um, uh, You know, it's not it's not gaslighting, but it's um, it's it's like. uh, You have no power to like, like scream at the top of your lungs. What are you talking about? This is not what's happening at all. And I'm not even necessarily talking about kind of. Vaccine misinformation or or COVID conspiracy theories. I'm just talking about you know basic things like I'll I'll see somebody on the news saying COVID cases are down, and so X person has decided um, we're going to stop masking or you know whatever whatever the thing is. And then I go to work and I see you know five COVID patients when I haven't seen any in two weeks. That's a data point that COVID is coming back. Yet you know the the policies are not being. Um, the policies are not being reflected and the the stories are not often being reflected by kind of my actual reality. I'm literally the person in the the canary in the coal mine, seeing people and knowing what's going on in, in my community. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not being reflected in, you know, uh, even, even the, even the stories that, that uh, kind of are, that, that are trying to have the same, Narrative or tell the same story, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let
1: alone the, all the misinformation and incorrect information out there too.
0: Well, I, I should. This is a good. I didn't want to. I didn't want to lead with this, but I also don't want to. Um, I, I want to give people some context and and uh, lay my cards on the table for um, my listeners. How I found you and uh, which gives a little context. So before COVID. I toured around everywhere and everywhere I went, yeah. I would look up a university. I would go to their homepage. I'd look through departments that I liked, like uh, biology, psychology departments. Okay. I would look around or, or maybe the university homepage, someone just released some new exciting paper that they were, I was like, well, when, when someone's excited to talk about something and get something out there, I'll just reach out to them. And, and uh, you know, so it, it was not, 100 percent random but it was a very random there's a pretty random sampling of just science yeah. generally and um and and so i've been very critical so so i feel what i what i the information that i generally get on this show is a random sampling of the scientific community and so i've sure. been uh and I didn't try to do that. It was just through happenstance um, of the constraints of my touring schedule and just frantically trying to book people or whatever else. And and so there, there, I immediately saw a really big difference between what scientists who are who just have a job doing some research and like learning about roaches or whatever and that's yeah. their life and and hearing the way not, not just about their research but the way that they talk and the way that they express things and and the, the, like very careful about things and always like questioning their own research and going back and <laughs> forth yeah. and everything else and like never political and then i and then i see you know scientists on big podcasts or whatever else these like fringe people and i try to tell people i'm like this is not a representation of what sci- yeah. scientists aren't political like this scientists aren't so sure of themselves and matter of fact and this is this screams of snake oil merchant to me and i've been screaming that to people for two years straight into what feels like a void you know i'm frustrated yeah. as well and um and i uh you you know i I was on joe rogan's podcast and have Mm. like a ton of friends in the comedy community and so i followed that whole situation very closely from the beginning especially because i had a lot of his fans i would i would do a COVID episode have an epidemiologist on and then i would have people screaming some Insane yeah. nonsense at me. And it was always the same thing. I'd be like, why is it like every month there's some new weird thing? Like- That people are presenting, like, they all believe the exact same specific thing from, where is this Hmm. coming from? And it always got traced back to, like, a Joe Rogan or some conspiracy site or something like that. Because there's so little information to validate the conspiracy perspective that they all have to grab onto the same little scarce bits of anything. And so I found you um through twitter because you wrote the most incredible twitter thread i have <laughs> ever seen it was so thoughtful and well written and i thought fair of course we're all biased and i have my own biases i'm fed up with joe rogan and this and a lot of his fans to be quite frank so i have my own biases but um but i i really don't like the like i i i it's not even so much Rogan as a platform that some of these conspiracy people have seen as an opportunity to pitch a like fringe narrative and yeah. and so with things like this Malone thing you know I've been making fun of this mass psychosis uh, <laughs> whatever mass, formation psychosis, Ma- mass formation psychosis that all the Rogan fans repeat instantly and are now an expert on which is like yeah. the definition of mass formation psychosis if it was a thing which it isn't and um i've had intelligent people friends of mine other comics like you just gotta listen you just gotta like that's the typical thing like i haven't listened to enough of joe rogan and i listened to like an hour of that malone interview and you know, from the perspective of, of a science communicator, from someone that's talked to hundreds of scientists, it's I, I was like horrified to listen to it. Honestly, yeah. I was like, of course, people are believing this. But this is like such a grift. I listened to two supplement commercials within the first uh, within the first hour. And I listened to a guy say he has no reason to be motivated um to say any of this stuff and then 10 minutes later say and I have a special announcement I have the cure for everything <laughs> and I'm working and I'm with this study. pharmaceutical yeah, company study. yeah <laughs> and and like shocking yeah. like I couldn't even listen to it and 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 it's been again and again like that and and I saw your thread, which I'll, I'll put in the description here. That was just so thoughtful and, and and we don't, we don't even have to talk about that. I just want people to know that's, that's how I found you. I need to put my biases out there because I am doing a little bit of the same thing that I accuse those people doing of like cherry picking to find people that like I relate to and everything. (laughs) Usually I get like random doctors or something like that, but, um, I encourage people to read it. And I, I, I was, I was curious, what, what inspired you to, um, uh, to like, like, you guys might be listening, like, oh, this is just a tweet. This is like, this is like three hundred tweets <laughs> over the course of a <laughs> week a or lot. something it was like of, that. It was, it was a lot. It was, it was, it was yeah. so meticulous. And per- what I loved about it. Was that you didn't shy away from getting into the weeds of the nitty gritty, but that's not what the important part is with a lot of this stuff is there is just like base level false premises being forwarded that with the narrative ultimate, what the narrative ultimately is and what's more dangerous than like, hey, let's look into ivermectin or like, maybe we should take some ivermectin on top of a vaccine, which don't necessarily recommend but I don't find that to be nearly as dangerous as a narrative as saying let's let's say uh, 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 let's just say all of the whole of the scientific community and all of the medical establishment is plotting against humanity right now and Joe Rogan and Robert Malone are the only ones that can save you And to do that, you need to buy their supplements and buy into their thing. And you did a you did a nice job of of addressing both the nitty gritty and picking that apart and then making just common sense, you know, uh, understanding of like some just some basic Occam's Razors type type stuff. So so anyway, I just I just wanted to thank you and and tell you how much I appreciated that and wondering if you had any if you wanted to share where that came from and some of the inspiration.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you, you hit on something that um, is one of the most frustrating things from, you know, these groups of, of physician scientists, people that kind of claim they have all the answers is when they speak, and you kind of similar to your, to your last point about how scientists tend to speak, mm-hmm. um, uh, the these these guys often speak in these broad terms of a sense of they are the only ones who are trying to do the right thing for their patients mm-hmm. and everybody else myself every icu doctor every hospitalist every other er doctor in the whole country arguably the whole world um you know according to their conspiracy theories yeah everybody else is biased and everybody else is paid off and every like that that and i i find it offensive and just i don't understand how they can To speak this way that that um, they are the only ones that have the right answers, and you know that that was the, the one of the things I found frustrating about the Rogan interview was Rogan was like letting this guy slide with with like almost no pushback or questions at all. He was just accepting this guy's you know, statements as fact.
0: And um, not just as a, you know, not I, just I, as a MRNA vaccine, a professional, but no, a, 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 as a professional yeah. on all of medical policy, as a historian, right. as a psychologist, <laughs> like what can't this guy do?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it, it was really, um, it was really frustrating. You know, I, I will say that I've been, um, do you remember earlier in 2021? I don't know if you were on Clubhouse, that app, that that audio. App, I was dragged really onto it like four
0: times. Four times, I hated it. But sorry if you enjoyed it. Go on.
1: Yeah. So, so I no, so I loved it. And in early 21, 21, all the medical people on Twitter were getting on it, and so I was mm. like, I want to get on it too. And I started doing, um, I started just doing medical education rooms. We're um, interacting with med students across the world and kind of teaching them about how how I approach you know medical problems as an ER doctor. And very quickly, probably by April, maybe May, it started to get like taken over by a bunch of anti-vax stuff. Um, I want to say that was about the time that vaccines started to get more widely available. And so, you know, as as more people were being, I think, encouraged to get vaccinated, there was certainly a larger sentiment of appropriate anxiety worry just fear of the unknown of the vaccines but but the, the clubhouse platform rapidly got taken over by um anti-vax people um you know th- there were certainly people that had legitimate questions that, that we, we would legitimately answer and legitimately were just curious but there are large number of people that were just anti-vax and yep. kind of trolls and, and everything on there oh but, yeah um, but i found a bunch of I found a bunch of doctor friends that um, kind of were also in a similar interest in trying to debunk this stuff and provide good medical information to people. And um, so I've in some way been kind of, I've been debating or, or dealing with all of these tropes from Malone and co like for almost a year now. So, you know, a lot of the stuff he says, and he was interviewed on Rogan in December of 2021, it's stuff from almost a year ago or longer,
0: I was you know, older, screaming about it for a long time before that. I,
1: yeah. I, and, and, you know, like, like I said in the thread, we you're allowed – if all you yeah. have is theory and basic, basic science understanding of, oh, this is a coronavirus, therefore we should try this, if that's all you have, that is absolutely fine. If sure. we just have a theoretical belief that hydroxychloroquine should work for this reason,
0: and Ibermectin
1: yeah. should work for that one and let's try it because we're in the middle of a pandemic and New York City is exploding in cases. That's completely appropriate. That that is what medicine should do. You yeah. do your best, you make an informed opinion, and you just try it and you and, and also you should study it at the same time if you can. Right. But now, you know, Malone is talking almost two years later with the same ancient, you know, basic science opinions about how this drug is supposed to work in a human body against a virus that we, that we still don't fully understand. Um, It was just kind of laughable that that Mm -hmm. he would try to continue to apply basic science and ignore all of the mountains of other research that we have. That's not just a test tube, but that's like, Oh, Hey, how does this actually work in the real world? You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this is, again, this is February 10th that we're recording this. And, you know, I uh, Rogan put out his video of like, I'm going to do better, which is I I even I can't tell you how many times during this pandemic where I was like, you know what, I'm going to cut the guy some slack. Maybe he'll turn it around like I praised him when he started yeah. using I publicly praised the guy when he started using testing before his shows, um, even oh, yeah. though I thought yeah. it was like preemptive to start. Packing people into shows i was like well people are this is what people are doing and i'd prefer that to nothing by a long shot and i publicly praised him yeah another time he when he had a guest on uh like recently he had a guest on that like he got in some ivermectin spat with of of course or or no 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 myocarditis spat and he goes.
1: Oh yeah, the the, uh, the Australian guy.
0: Yeah, the Australian guy, and uh, he's like, "Yes, and uh, it, it is this. It's it's more. You have a higher risk from a vaccine than you do from COVID." And then they look it up, which is not necessarily the perfect way to find things out. But I do yeah. the same thing, and um, yeah, and they they look it up and then uh, like a quick google search and he's proven wrong and and then afterwards he's like oh well how do they find this stuff anyway he felt embarrassed about it and he retweeted it and i thought that is so brave that he did that wow maybe he's and i started writing a tweet of praise i've been like first off I I sent them direct messages earlier because I've been on the show like trying to guide them toward just sure. sample sizing people in Austin and stuff to just to get reach out to the infectious disease department and just get just to get just get some nobodies on to explain you some few basic concepts yeah. easy peasy. And uh, by the time I was done composing the tweet, he was already retweeting the ways in which he was actually right from anyone that would validate him. And then (laughs) and then he does his uh, I'll do better thing. And so once again, I tweet like, hey, why don't you? It's like publicly, why don't you just randomly sample infectious disease department? If you don't want to do the infectious disease department in Austin, here's some other organizations in Austin that do community outreach. Yeah. They had to love. And within 12 hours, once again, he is, retweets this, looky here, uh, about some ivermectin, like Japan study saying this and that. Oh, yeah. 30, 20,000, over 20,000 people retweet it. And then, and it was, it it was wrong. It was a, like a, it it was something that they took back and everyone's like, what the hell are you doing? And then he just, this is within 12 hours of the I'm going to do better shtick. And then he just deleted it. He doesn't write, and he's done this all pandemic. He doesn't write, hey, sorry, that last post was a real whoopsie daisy. Like all those people (laughs) that retweeted it, that's just, that's just out there now. And that information spreads and it's just, it's, it's sorry. I'm just, uh, it just, (laughs) I, I'm now I'm blabbing way too much, but anyway, that, that's the reason why I've, I've reached out to you because I, I still, I, I don't, I don't know what to do about. Uh, The situation and I'm not hopeful like you weren't in the thread that he has a sincere interest in actually trying to if he does, that'd be amazing. If Joe Rogan gets all of his fans vaccinated, wow, I am going to celebrate that day. I will root for Joe Rogan. I will praise him uh, for like turning around and changing his mind. And it's not looking like that.
1: Well, I, you know, I think he, he does have an audience that, um, that uh, you know, I think uh, veers toward conspiracy and, and yeah. kind of non-mainstream thinking, which in some ways I actually really like. Um, but I think they, especially with what he said in the past about vaccines and stuff um, after he got COVID, I, I think probably his audience is a lot of people that, um, you know, believe that the vaccines are more harmful than helpful and have a skewed understanding of risk and benefit of COVID versus the vaccines. And, you know, a a general risk assessment of, of things. Um, and so when he put out that Instagram, um, response that said, Hey, I'm interested in the truth. And, um, you know, I like controversial thinkers. I agree with those things. I I think it's good to ask questions. Um, Mm. but the problem is, that He didn't ask any questions of of Malone. He just kind of accepted a lot of a lot of his stuff as fact um, and as truth, and, and didn't push back when he. I feel like he, in other interviews, has pushed back much harder on sports stars or people in other industries. He's like, "Oh, come on, you don't believe that that's actually the case." But he, he like barely did that with um, with Malone, which is a, which was um, which was frustrating. I mean, I, I guess I feel like if he is um, if he's really interested in the truth. He will have some no-name epidemiologists or, like I said in the tweet, like have some frontline workers um, mm-hmm. come in and just talk about their experience and see if their, you know, is their actual experience being a doctor or being an ICU nurse in a COVID wing for two years. Is that actually what, is that the same as what Malone's describing? And I guarantee it's not.
0: Mm. And, and the, the problem to me is like, you know, we're, we're social creatures and we're status seeking, especially, um, my, in, in my probably imperfect way of thinking, I I think guys have a, a bit of a tendency to be a little more status seeking. And so you, you see lots of, lots of, and we all we all copy each other too. So we, we see something being successful and well, I want to be successful And this person's a model of success. I should copy what they're doing. And this this happens. I've been a comedian for 17 years. I've watched people be like, Oh, this person had a successful game show. Let's all make game shows now, or, you know, whatever. It's just, everyone's kind of like, heading toward whatever the hot buzzy thing is, whatever social media platform, whether it's clubhouse for a while or whatever else. And Rogan needs to understand that it's that he is the mainstream media in a lot of ways right now. And so many people are following his model, Russell Brand is following his model. All of these other people are following Fox News is taking notes and now having, you know, the uh, what is it, Peter McKellar or whatever or or, uh, uh, and Robert Malone on, on their shows and seeing seeing the success that he's having with this fringe alternative narrative and and these uh uh, these like anti-vaxxers and being like hey we want ratings too and that it's just so dangerous people think i'm like obsessed like why wouldn't i why wouldn't i be concerned about the center of gravity for all things conspiracy (laughs) during a global (laughs) pandemic uh, I mean
1: yeah you know I I, I, um, I just feel like I don't understand how there could be a a global uh, conspiracy cover-up when there's literally tens of thousands of people just in the vaccine research trials and then there's millions of healthcare care workers um, yet like you can't keep like uh, you know the office gossip a secret at all like how, yeah. are, how, how are we expecting any um any conspiracy theory to, to carry any weight when like joe or steve cannot keep it quiet that they're sleeping with somebody else in the office or the hospital or you know whatever it is it's just it, it doesn't it doesn't even meet like face validity to me
0: i think a lot of it is just validating intuitions and and, and a, a lot of I mean, human intuition is to, uh, so I talk about evolution and and how the mind works quite a bit and cognitive biases quite a bit on the, on this podcast. And so we assign agency to things. We assign personality to things. It's, it's kind of, uh, we, 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 we tend to look at complexity and assign agency to it and also, and, and that makes it more predictable to us or make gives us a feeling that it's more predictable. So there's a lot of like, one of the things that scares me is there's like people don't people that have had COVID there's people that have had COVID that don't know they can get COVID again, like not being political or anything else. They don't know. No. Yeah. (laughs) Have you seen that? Have you seen patients? come in
1: i've seen i think one or two it's yeah. extremely rare i think especially because san francisco tends to um be vaccinated right, and tends right. to also be um pretty mainstream when it comes to masking and, and things like that but yes absolutely um
0: so may, maybe i'm mischaracterizing yeah, yeah, if it's only if it's only a couple but uh, but, but well but,
1: i think it's a I, I, it's certainly not common but it does it happen absolutely um i do think yes there's a there is a. I mean, one of one of the one of the posts that I got the uh, most pushback on was about natural immunity, um, and you know I think there's a large number of people who have had COVID who think that they are not just equally um, protected as somebody who is boost, you know, vaccinated and boosted. They're actually more protected, mm-hmm. and that is certainly not the case. Um, and I think that's a very strongly held belief that you know the oh i got it naturally i actually got COVID and i survived it um is actually a more protective thing and that, that it's simply not true um, a COVID if, a
0: day that keeps the because, doctor away
1: right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well now it may it may be that for a month or so yeah maybe they are slightly more protected than than me right um but it, it does seem like um they're much more likely to get COVID again and that uh, you know i think. Uh, uh, there are studies that if you, take if you you know, take people's blood who've been either vaccinated or, you know, had natural immunity, you know, two months out or whatever, the two months out people are less likely to have immunizing antibodies. And I think the number that I've seen is about a, a third of people who had like PCR, rapid antigen. This was definitely COVID. A third of them actually do not mount an antibody response at all. Mm-hmm. Or do, I should say, do not have a, a long lasting antibody response that like, okay, they're, they're a month out from their COVID. You take a blood samples and see how many antibodies and you, you actually can't find any at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the sense that they're more protected is far from the truth, but I think that's one of the more strongly held beliefs that's, that's, that of course, Malone and Rogan both encouraged again. But, um, I think that's one of the, the really hard things to to break but if you ask people if you frame it in a sense of like oh well do you think about that that way for other diseases like tetanus or lockjaw or measles they say oh no god i wouldn't want to have lockjaw um so i think people have been kind of um uh they have this like automatic response of natural immunity is better that came from them hearing lots of their own news stories and stuff saying natural immunity is better, it's safe, whatever. But then if you ask, a lot of this is just context, right? If you ask them, okay, well, okay, you believe that about COVID. Well, why is it, why would that be true about COVID? But you don't believe that about tetanus or measles or mumps or rubella or, you know, any of these other diseases that you're all vaccinated, all all these other things that you're vaccinated against that you'd rather be vaccinated than actually get. Polio, right? I mean, I think polio was, uh, I've used polio as an example a lot. Um, because people know the side, of, people know the consequences for polio, right? They know, oh, you're paralyzed, right? Well, well actually most people with polio actually did find that a viral illness.
0: 99% survival rate of polio. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's why I think it's a really good example. Like I think yeah. I looked at the, I looked at the CDC data from polio from, you know, years ago. I think it's like 97% had just a viral illness. And then you know, maybe two percent had a transient paralysis or transient weakness, and then it's like one percent or you know one to two percent or even less actually had permanent paralysis and you know iron lung and all that stuff. That was ex- that was extremely rare. Most people that got polio had had flu-like symptoms, just like covid. and but but we are able to somehow link polio in our minds, maybe because it's older, and it's from an older generation. We're able to link that to the iron lung and wheelchairs and disability and paralysis and, you know, all that stuff and, you know, and kids being in iron lungs and all that bad stuff, but we're not able to link that to COVID. Maybe next, you know, the future generation will look back at, at COVID and say the same thing, but we, Maybe. Won't, we don't want COVID. Of course we want to be vaccinated. I don't know.
0: I, I hope so. I mean, there's a lot of like availability heuristic stuff going on there too, where, where you see, you can, yeah visualize someone on crutches for the rest of their life because they got a disease it's hard to picture yeah. what brain fog is you know it's kind of it's kind of hard to picture what yeah. just like um higher risk of cardiovascular disease going forward or, or something that you, you know like uh like, like something like um measles where you have um, cases of um, immune amnesia and the immune system is um, um, probably uh, I'm sure uh, actual virologists would roll their eyes at this characterization but the immune system kind of going going okay let's put all of our eggs in the measles bas- basket and watch out for this thing and kind of forgetting about all of <laughs> yeah. the other threats and people with measles having really endless every everything else happening to them and um and never getting attributed in so many cases i'm sure to uh to measles and like we don't we we don't know with with covid what what stuff some of the stuff that i see is horrifying and i check myself and wonder i'm like Am I doing this to myself? Is this my negativity bias? But are are you are you familiar with like error management theory at all? I, I imagine it applies to medicine. Error Can,
1: management. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it's it's just kind of it, it's a it, it's it's in evolutionary psychology, but um, I think this will really apply to what you do, and I I think you'll have a lot to comment on. Um, yeah. So it, it came out of. It came out of the idea of engineering, which is you, uh, you, you have, if you're making a fire alarm, you have to assume that there is no way you can make a perfect fire alarm for every single specific context. You're, you're shipping out a zillion of these things. And so there's a couple ways a fire alarm can error. It can either go off when it's not supposed to and annoy the hell out of you over some like overcooked uh, toast or something. Um, And and that's annoying. That's a cost. You're going to have people irritated with your fire alarm or it can not go off when there is a legitimate fire and a building burns down and lives are potentially lost. And so they intentionally bias uh, alarms to be overly sensitive. So they go off more often than they're oh, supposed sure. to. And I, I would think whenever there's a new variant or a novel virus, like probably in hindsight, if we're doing everything right, we should find out that it wasn't as bad as the worst of predictions because we should absolutely oh, yeah. assume yeah. Worst case scenario. Uh,
1: Over cautious, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, uh, so, so yeah. What, I
1: mean, we, you know, we. I I, I,
0: I wondered have, I wondered how much that applies to just what you do not not even just with COVID but just how much that applies to your job generally. Someone comes in to the ER. Oh yeah, that.
1: I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, my job is to assume everybody has something that will kill them.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: you know, when, when we are thinking about, um, you know, we're generating what's called a differential diagnosis where we're saying, okay, well, this is what I think the most likely thing is that this person has, and, you know, these are the four other things that I think they have. Sometimes you, you can get into that, um, availability bias or, you know, a, um, a recall bias. And so one of the ways that, uh, you know, could, because we, uh, ER doctors, I think, especially tend to use a lot of heuristics and, and tend to do a lot of, um, like very snap judgment thinking yeah. of, you know, I mean, literally within, within 20 seconds and gathering a tiny bit of data, um, I, I can already kind of predict a list of what medical problem, you know, what problems I think this person might be having, what tests they need based on just their age, their chief complaint, and you know, their vital signs and maybe what they, how, what we call how they eyeball, they look sick or they don't, don't look too sick. Um, one of the ways that we get ourselves out of that snap rapid judgment thinking is we, um, uh, we I, uh, I kind of teach this to the residents, but I, I do it myself when I'm kind of stuck as well. Um, we'll say, uh, we kind of force ourselves to play a little thought experiment. Okay, well, what's, what's one thing that could kill this person? So, you know, you come in with an ankle sprain, what's the worst thing this could be, Right. What's the worst thing it could be? What do you think the most likely thing is? Which we often do anyway. Um, and then, if you force yourself to think of like, what's a weird thing this could be? Like a really rare diagnosis that you learned about in med school, but you've maybe never seen in your career before. Could you know? Could this ankle be ankle sprain be presenting <laughs> as something weird? Um, and that's one way that you get yourself out of that bias of just like snap judgment thinking. worst but yeah, likely is-
0: weird. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting, that's a fun heuristic. I'm going to start applying that yeah. uh, in life. Uh, go on.
1: <laughs> well, no. So, so, I mean, it, just like you said, it's, it's my job to be very, very sensitive. Um, meaning it just like in the fire alarm example, meaning if somebody comes in with um, with chest pain and I look at their EKG And their EKG kind of looks like it's a, you know, what's called a STEMI or a ST elevation myocardial infarction. Um, Like when, you know, a big heart attack um, that needs to emergently have their, their artery opened up. Um, But it only kind of looks like it. It is my job to assume that's what they have. It's my job to assume, Oh, this is a heart attack. I need to activate because there's so many downstream effects. If I don't say that, right. If, if um If I say, well, it doesn't really meet the criteria exactly, Um, maybe I'll just wait and see, you know, what the labs show or something like that. A lot of things can happen by the time the labs come back in an hour, right? The patient could have a cardiac arrest. They could have an arrhythmia. Uh, They could, um, I mean, you know, a thousand things could happen. And in addition, it takes the, the cardiology team an hour to get into the ER, especially if it's, you know, late at night, if it's not you know, banker's hours. So it's my job to assume the worst within reason. Um, um, and so, you know, if something seems like it might be a heart attack, it's my job to activate the the cardiology team and say, hey, I think this guy's having a heart attack. And then cardiology, the EKG kind of experts get to override me. They get to say, no, Graham, I don't think actually this one, I, I see what you're talking about. I see why you're worried, but let's hold off on you know, taking him right to the catheter lab and opening up his artery or looking at his arteries. Um, or they're, you know, most of the time, as I'm a good doctor, they say, oh, yeah, I agree. Let's let's take him to the lab. But it's my job to not miss something. Um, and that's that's also true of everything, not just, you know, life threatening things. If uh, there's studies on this, if the ER doctor decides to go in one direction with their evaluation, say they think, you know, gosh, I think this guy has an infection somewhere. If they go down the infection route um, and they don't, uh, uh, you know, by ordering all these tests for infection and they they tell the hospitalist or the intensive care unit doctor, I'm worried about an infection. So I did all these tests and I gave antibiotics. And now can you take care of them in the hospital? But they're, it's actually, it's not infection. It's actually cancer or something like that. It takes the, because, because I've already set everybody in, in motion on that train, it takes the other doctors, I think it's like 36 or 48 hours to like do a U-turn and and turn the train in the other direction to go look at cancer instead. So it's very important that I both kind of consider everything, but do my best to kind of point people in the right direction because if I'm wrong, we're, we're kind of two days behind mm. um, as well.
0: Hmm. Do you have you ever read the book The Checklist Manifesto? By chance? Oh, of
1: course, by a uh, tool. Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, yeah. For, yeah. For, for, for the listeners, the, the general premise being um, that it, 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 it's kind of the celebration of, of checklists, the way in which they've been implemented in many different industries from uh, from uh, uh, trying to like uh, flight pilot. So the, the idea is, is if you're a pilot and you're going down the intuitive approach is that a pilot starts using all of the knowledge and flipping switches and doing all of these things, but instead training people to flip open a book of checklists and go through everything that's wrong or that could be wrong statistically is a, uh, is a better approach and um and one of the examples in the book is with i I think it was a chicago uh hospital that they use but i i'm curious is there is there a checklist type system that like nurses and things use in a within hospital care
1: so yeah so um for standardized procedures and something that you do the same every time um there are checklists so there's checklists like before you go to the operating room there's a checklist that everybody you know, uh, signs off that okay, this is the correct leg we're operating on, and this is the right patient, and you know all these things. Same with the procedure, right? If I'm putting in um, a, uh, for, really for for high risk procedures, there's not a checklist for like putting in an IV, um, or, or there, maybe there is, but it's in it's in somebody's brain. But like if I'm putting in a central line, which is a big IV, we put in like the anterior jugular vein or the femoral vein or the subclavian vein um, because we need to give lots of medicines or lots of blood or fluids quickly. Um, there's a checklist of what we do. Okay. Did I wash my hands? Did I put on my gloves? Did I clean the area three times? Uh, you know, because it's important that we do it correctly and and we do it kind of in, in a high fidelity sense. We do it the same every time in the ER. We don't have that as much because it's a little bit of controlled chaos and, we don't always know what we're dealing with, right? One person's chest pain could be heartburn and others could be a heart attack and others could be a blood clot in their lungs. and Another could be anxiety. You know, like there's so many things, but we do have a, um, it's not a checklist, but it's a, um, it's kind of like a root, uh, really sim simplistic program that we use when any, anytime anybody's sick and it's sick, meaning sick means they're like critically ill when, yeah, like when an ER doctor or a, Hospital doctor says, "Oh, this person's sick." Um, <laughs> that means they're like, like, "Oh, they're really worried about them that they're kind of critically ill, or you're worried they're going to die, or something like that." Um, and it's just the AB. We call it the ABCs, and it's drilled into you. um You know, you learn a little bit in med school, but it's drilled into you in in residency, in emergency medicine residency. Um, you know, we have to do like these oral. We we have to fly, maybe not with COVID, but we have to fly to a hot to a The the Board of Emergency Medicine rents out a, a, like, Holiday Inn or a Best Western or something in the burbs of Chicago twice a year. They rent out the whole thing or most of the hotel. And every ER doctor that just finished residency goes and you go through the – you sit in these different hotel rooms, which are little exam rooms, and they just give you a case. They say, okay, well, your patient is 83 years old and is complaining of – uh, burning when she pees and here her here are her vital signs and and you just have to talk through the case how you would you would do this case and manage them and of course they say okay well now the patient is now confused and her blood pressure is low what would you do now okay well okay well now you've given some fluids and the blood pressure is better but now um the uh kidney doctor doesn't want to come in and see the patient you know whatever um but our, our checklist is just the, we call it the ABCs. Um, and so I, I still, to this day, you know, I've been doing emergency medicine. I started residency in 2008. Um, so I've, you know, technically been doing it almost 12 years now. Um, you still, whenever I have somebody that's sick, I still, it's burned into my brain. It's just the ABCs. So it's airway, breathing, circulation, D is for disability and dextrose, which is you know glucose to check a finger stick. Um, uh and then e is for exposure look on their whole body get them naked and look and see if you can find anything else wrong with them um f is for uh put in a foley which is a catheter to look at their urine and a fast exam uh, which is an ultrasound to look for internal bleeding or how their heart's squeezing g is um uh, g is can be for glucose as well to check um check their blood glucose uh H is, some of these are getting a little uh, excessive, but H is for humanity. So remember to like, don't forget to give them pain medicine if they're, you know,
0: in pain. I I love Uh, it.
1: And so, so anytime I have, like, if I, you know, somebody calls me into a code room and says, oh, Graham, hey, this is your patient, and they just look sick or I'm worried they're about to code or they're critically ill and I don't know why, um, I I immediately go into ABC mode. So, you know, we we just say, in the board exam, you are like, it is drilled in your head. You say, when I walk into the room, what do I see, <laughs> see, hear, and smell? Because um, sometimes there are a few things in medicine you can smell something, in that, that helps helps tip you off into what's wrong with them. Um, and then the, the other thing you say is <laughs> IDO2 monitor, and that means put in two large IVs. So that's, you know, a, a catheter, an IV and you know, both both um, elbows usually, um, IDO2 monitor, put them on oxygen and put them on a the monitor so you can get a full set of vital signs um, and, you know, draw a rainbow of tubes, meaning draw every, draw like a little every blood tube you have and I'll figure out what I want to do with them later. Um, and it, essentially, it's a checklist in that mm. A for airway If they have a problem with their airway, you do not move on to B or C, breathing or circulation, until you fix the airway. Um, And it's also in the order of things that will kill you, right? So if you have a blockage of your airway, you're choking, you have seconds until you will, you know, seconds, you know, arguably maybe a minute until you die, right? Breathing, if you're having trouble breathing, eh, you've got a little bit longer. You've got, you know, 15 20 minutes
0: <laughs> that is the weirdest thing when you choke on yeah. food we all choke on food yeah. once in a while and there is a very specific bodily response that is like you have one yeah. minute to live <laughs> to, re- to resolve and your body, this situation your body lets you know. your body is it's one weird. of the craziest yeah. things about yeah. life yeah. yeah
1: um i, I will say yeah. just to be accurate. Uh, so if somebody is is actually already dead they've had a cardiac arrest we actually have moved c to the front of the line so if you're if you're dead if your heart has stopped the most important thing is actually starting chest compressions um so we've we've started to change that when you are actually already Mm. dead um it doesn't matter um you know the first thing you do is is do start chest compressions and then you can go back and you know, you need to be pushing on their heart and pumping their yeah. blood.
0: One protocol for alive people, or a dead. different protocol yeah. for dead people. That makes all sorts of sense. We have to know yeah. literally
1: every, you can go to an ER with any problem yeah. at any age, be pregnant or not, be zero days old or be, you know, 100 years old. So we have to keep it simple. So it's like, oh, the protocol is just you start with C instead of A.
0: Interesting. Well, I, I wanted to bring up all of the protocols and, and some of these heuristics because I, I, I imagine there's things about a global pandemic that are novel and things that aren't n- novel. And, and I, I'm, I'm just wondering because I imagine there's not a... there's not much in the way of checklists or Mm. the checklists are evolving all of the time, uh, with, with, with such a novel situation. And, um, I, I mean, you, you did, you, you did a nice job of kind of answering this already, but how, how do you go about making, um, covid-based decisions when someone comes in and you think they have Covid and what treatments yeah
1: you know now it is um like i said earlier we're we're numb um but the the other side effect of being numb is it's kind of rote at this point which is so nice um i mean the, the numbness helps without kind of the the emotional up and down swings that are that were really difficult earlier in the pandemic but also that it's it's um it's, it's kind of not exciting anymore. We all know what to do. We all know we're, what we're going to do when a patient comes in with trouble breathing. Um, uh, so that, that's made it a lot easier. I mean, in March through, oh, August, September of 2020, um, I mean, it was every, every week, if not every couple of days, there was a change to the protocol which was really, really hard, right? I mean, you you remember this, because the same debates that people were having in the public sphere of, should I wear a mask or not? And what type of mask? And what should we open or close down? We were having the same discussions in the hospital. I mean, we didn't know what to do or, you know, either. I mean, we were all trying to just... Uh, come up with the right answers and collect data and talk to each other. I mean, we were getting, we were texting each other. I was texting friends in New York when it was happening to try to, you know, uh, see what people were coming in, what, what, how, how were people with COVID presenting? So we could, in the West coast, when it hadn't hit yet, figure out what we were, what we would do when, when it, you know, came and hit us. Um, so, but, but it was changing all the time. So, you know, we would get an email, um, with a new, the new protocol that was like, um, okay, based on these criteria, now you can test somebody. I mean, I remember my first patient, this was probably maybe the first or second week of March um, of 2020. And like, remember the you know, we we had almost no tests. Um, and so, and I think the like even the tests were being sent to like six regional labs in the country or something like that. But obviously in San Francisco, we have a lot of um, people coming from um, people traveling from Asia. And so... I remember like you could not get tested unless you had travel from China. Um, And so I remember like getting yelled at by this patient who was scared and I was scared too. I mean, I I felt bad, but I, I, cause she had I think a cough and maybe a fever or something like that. Um, It was a night shift and I was the, (laughs) I had let my colleague go home early in the night. So she came in, it was just, just me. Um, I didn't want to go in the room and see her. Obviously I did, but um, you know, I, examined her and talked with her a little bit. And then I said, I'll talk with you by phone. I actually gave her a phone and I stepped out because she was like literally the first person I've ever, I'd ever seen with maybe COVID. Um, and so I was talking to her by phone and she was just like screaming at me, like, why can't I get a test? And I, I was just also frustrated because I wasn't allowed to give you a test. You know, the, the, the policies were changing so frequently and, you know, had she come in two weeks later, maybe I don't remember how quickly the, the policies changed, but, um, you know, maybe at that point she, she could have gotten the test, but it was, I mean, every, every couple of days we would just print out the new guidelines of, okay, if you're a healthcare worker, if healthcare worker, then, and they have these symptoms, then do this test or they can get tested or they can't get tested or you know, whatever the thing was. If they have travel from here, do this. If they have a, if they're, you know, from these other countries or whatever, do these tests. So, um, yeah, it was, it was changing all the time. We were just trying to figure out our best science at the same time as everybody in the public world was trying to figure out what to do too.
0: And so now you, you do have kind of uh someone comes in and you have uh, at least a much better idea of, of what to do.
1: Oh, it's so routine. Yeah. It is. It's so, you know, like we do, you know, the, the way it works is uh, at least at my hospital is I, we tend to just kind of do a round robin so if there's four doctors you know on shift at at one time i get every fourth patient no matter who it is right so i a a new patient will just kind of show up on my screen as you know this is my next patient to see and um yeah if they're there for kind of any covid-like symptoms um we all kind of like okay here we you know we'll do the same thing And, and you know that really just means um Putting on certain personal protective equipment, putting them in a particular room, so if they do have COVID, they're, you know, not exposing other people, and then you know, doing a COVID swab and um, doing some other tests on them. Uh, often, you know, if they're young and healthy and their oxygen level is normal, um, often, you know, they are actually seen relatively quickly in the ER because they maybe they just need a test, or maybe they, um, you know, often I'll, I'll, I'll just tell them, you know, especially if they. have have all the symptoms of COVID and they were exposed and all the rest of their family has COVID. I say, I mean, we, we, can do a test for you, but you definitely have COVID. Um, you, you don't really need this mm-hmm. test for, for me to diagnose you with the COVID. Um, if we didn't have the test, if we were out, I would just say, Oh, you yeah, don't you have, have you taste you have and smell. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah. like uh,
0: It's, I, I mean, that, that to me is like, be, be, because of now the ease of being able to Diagnose yourself. Yeah. I mean, when, when we see the the worst day this year, there is a million and a half new covid cases in a day in the United States amazing like it, it, in such a horrifying way and that's but, just that's um, just
1: the lab and hospital and clinic reported ones that, that you know didn't even that's count what rabbits. i'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. there's
0: so many people just lose their taste they're like but i got covid i guess i'll just hunker down or whatever yeah. i mean it's hard to even estimate how many people like what is it double the number of people is is that a grotesque overestimation or is that underselling like i have no idea really uh and 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 it is to have that much of it floating around um
1: but i will you know i will say that masks work yeah and um uh i mean knock on wood here we were a group of about thirty ER doctors. Um, you know, we've had a couple of nurses who've had COVID, but literally zero
0: of us have had COVID. Wow, I was about to ask. That. Of course,
1: we're all we're all of course we're all vaccinated and boosted. And we were like the first people to get vaccinated and boosted. If you don't believe
0: um, masks work, talk to this yeah. guy two years. who's two, two years of ER. wearing a mask in an ER seeing. A huge number of co- it, it, it must it is it does it? I mean, it, it must change quite a bit throughout the year, but but there must be times yep. when it's monopolizing your day, right? Or
1: oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, there, there are days there. I mean, not not there were days because it's it's um dying down and San Francisco definitely spiked, but not nearly as bad as other places, but um, yeah, there, there are definitely there were definitely days. Um, you know, the, certainly at the peak of the pandemic where it's like, okay, just another, like every, every patient is short of breath fever, short of breath fever, cough fever, can't smell fever, thinks has COVID, you know.
0: Um I, so, yeah, and, and, and in terms of, that's the other thing. I, I mean, so, some of the conspiracy stuff that's out there is people are trying to make it about specific things. It's never been about that. It's never been about the vaccines or about ivermectin or anything. It's, it's for the most part, for for a, a good number of people, it's been about this kind of um, um, higher up sort of thinking of like either something is plotting against them or... There's like some karma of like, well, it only happens to the bad people that didn't take care of themselves enough. Or yeah. um, this this is the point I, I, I was making about how we how we assign agencies agency to complexity earlier with people getting COVID. Like people get COVID and be like, OK, fair is fair. You got me COVID, you stinker. Now, now I I'm free. Like I, you know, be a, be a good sport about it. Because we're social. So much of our lives yeah. are communicating and dealing with other humans that we have all of these heuristics built around, like assigning agencies to minds and intent and everything else that we then project that on odd things like viruses that. Viruses don't even know they exist, let alone that we exist. Viruses have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, we science can't even decide if viruses yeah. are alive. And yeah, yeah, um, it, yeah I, I guess, um, you know, oh, I have so many things I want to ask you. Wait, one, one thing uh, along these lines is, I'm wondering. Is there oh, oh, here's an important one first before I get into this bigger question um, in terms of in terms of vaccines and vaccine injury. How many people come in for, with a vaccine injury in San Francisco? It's it's the highest. You, yeah. you said it's one of the highest vaccinated cities in the country, right?
1: Yeah, if not, if not the number one. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think we have eight hundred fifty thousand people and I think we're eighty 80- five five ish percent fully vaccinated. Um, I mean, this is one of the, the, the things I've argued, I've tried to use to argue my point for a long time is, um, I've seen zero people with, uh, you know, vaccine injury or, uh, uh, you know, diseases that I could attribute to vaccination either temporally or, you know, just medically, um, uh, despite, you know, being a city of almost everybody vaccinated and, you know, if people have symptoms that are worrying them, I feel like I would see it. I, I tend to see a lot of people who have a lot, a lot of symptoms and people tend to come to the ER when they're not feeling well or when they're worried about something. So I think I I, I can't imagine that I would miss that. you I, would I certainly see I some see nocebo
0: effect stuff happening of like people yeah. Of, yeah. of 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 people fretting you know when they when they have an unwanted yeah, I mean, response I,
1: I saw i've seen probably a handful of people that had the thing that we all had which is kind of fevers and or malaise and or fatigue after their covid vaccine and they just kind of were not medically um literate or or kind of to know, like know that you're that lucky
0: expected. if that's happening to, yeah. to you, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, you know, and, and that was a handful of people, and I said, "Oh, you know, that's actually just a, a really common effect after the vaccine." I had that myself, and it usually gets better in 24 hours. But, but in terms of anything, um, anything more than that, than just a symptom of kind of malaise and fatigue, um, uh, I, you know, certainly no myocarditis, guillain Uh, the cerebral central venous thrombosis syndrome uh, that people were talking about, I think, you know, about a year ago or so, um, that they, you know, temporarily um, halted the vaccine, some of the vaccines for, I've seen zero of those cases. I don't know if my colleagues have seen any. Um, I I can't, I can't think of any uh, that I've seen. The only person that I, the only person I saw that, had any symptoms that she attributed to the vaccine was a very sweet woman that, um, that said, gosh, I got my vaccine 10 days ago and I just feel so fatigued. And I thought, oh, huh, that's strange. Yeah. That's way, that's much longer than you should be having from the vaccine. Let's check some lab work. Well, her hemoglobin was five. It should be 15 or yeah, it should be, um, it should be 15. And because she was having, you know, internal bleeding, which, she's had before. I I don't associate that with the vaccine. That's not a thing that uh, we're seeing in VARES or any literature like that. Um, But, you know, 10 days after she had the vaccine, Correlation causation, yeah. Correlation causation. But I said, aha, it is not, you know, luckily I don't think you are fatigued because of, of the COVID vaccine. You're actually having some internal bleeding and need to come into the hospital and get a blood transfusion and get a colonoscopy. But that is the only person I've seen that was, you know, temporally related their symptoms of, of their vaccine. Yeah,
0: and I, I mean.
1: And she did fine. And she did fine, right? Uh, that
0: That's the other thing of understanding, you know, people don't know about double blind studies. Why, why like, it it would be imprudent to just take a doctor's word for everything when giving a a medication, why you, why you make the doctor blind to the thing that they're giving people in, in the, in the trials as well, so that they aren't changing and altering something that they're doing that or perceiving something incorrectly within, uh, within a study. And, and, related that's an it's the kind of importance of understanding base rates and what are the base yeah. rates of of heart attacks or car accidents or whatever else so like people have heart conditions people have, so are they increasing after the vaccine or are they staying the same within a global population and it's just that statistically, people are going to have something go wrong with them after a vaccine because statistically, humans have things go wrong with them, unrelated yeah. to vaccines. <laughs> and I,
1: I heard somebody say, like, well, you know, when somebody has a stroke, um, but they put on their socks earlier in the day, why aren't we blaming the socks? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <that's> good. <laughs> Yeah. That's a good example. But, you know, Shane, I, I think um, it's interesting because people will say, oh, well, my grandmother took ivermectin and she lived and she did fine or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I say, oh, well, that's interesting because I've also not given ivermectin and people also did fine. Um, and so I, I think people don't then take some some Chinese people don't take that next step of, of thinking like, well, how do you prove that something actually worked? Mm hmm. Right, like, because if they could, if they can say, oh, ivermectin worked, when I can say, well, I prescribed not ivermectin and that worked as well, they don't take the next step of like, well, then how do I prove that ivermectin worked? And the answer is, you you know, you do a trial, um, a double-blind, randomized controlled trial, you know, of large size to to determine that. Um, because otherwise you don't know i mean yeah. I, I you know this is
0: uh, this is leeches the doc- doctors used to give people leeches yeah. and and th- this was the origin story of of witch trials too with the black plague of of like uh, leeches when someone recovered because of their own immunity or there there were certain things i think where it actually did help to take blood out and weaken the immune system cuz you had an autoimmune whatever there was like rare instances where it may have actually helped but there was yeah it but you you have someone recover and you go well those leeches worked and then <laughs> and then you have someone die and you go i guess even the leeches weren't enough to help to help them yeah. so
1: or or <laughs> uh, or the uh the, the trope of like the um you know well i guess we didn't use enough leeches yeah, yeah,
0: yeah
1: you know it, that's frequently the argument that i'll try to make you know people people make to me about ivermectin well they didn't give it early enough or they gave too low a dose yeah Oh, the dose was too high oh they had you know uh, well it didn't work because you didn't also give it with zinc or well no it's it's not ivermectin it's ivermectin plus zinc plus hydro you know hydro um, hydroxychloroquine that's actually the, yeah.
0: the secret
1: i mean there's always an excuse why um why these things
0: Plus, if you can tell people a story, like if you you have if you have COVID in a petri dish and then you like just dump a bunch of cocaine in the petri dish and and COVID (laughs) no longer works. And people are like, cocaine, Cocaine here's COVID, everybody. Oh, you just haven't done enough of it yet. (laughs) Like, that's a story people are really going to latch on to. Yeah. Well, I, I. Man, I have. I have a couple really big questions for you. So, all right, all right. Um, I, I got. I guess we should go this way. And in terms of, because one whenever I get excited in a conversation, I blab so much and I give my guests way too much of my own dumb philosophies and I don't let them talk enough. So either you have to come on again or you have to recommend one of your colleagues in like another region sure. or something to come on. Yeah, um, but um, speaking of base rates, are you noticing anything? <laughs> Boy, I don't want to ask a loaded question here and bias your opinion, and and I and I don't want to scare people too much either. But I also want people to be aware. I I I I'm wondering: Are you noticing just an uptick in general? Um, it, you know, we talked about we talked about measles and a cascade of outcomes afterwards. Are you noticing peculiar? I, I, I have a discord. Um, are you familiar with discord? It, it doesn't oh, matter. Yeah, yeah it, sure. Anyway, I have my own discord and some fans and stuff around there. And I have some nurses oh, yeah. and things. And and uh, I, I've seen some reports of some, um, like kind of an uptick in things that people will come in with mysterious ish illnesses that don't like fit their age and health. Hmm. And then they find out that they had had COVID months earlier. And then it just all kind of makes sense. Have you, have you seen, has there been any, have you noticed any kind of uptick in because another, another thing in good, fucking good because i i i hope this i i hope that i'm wrong in my idea of uh, 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 of this and because i also saw like little bits of stuff when i really just like, i i know certain accounts i can go to to give myself a good scare anytime that i want to <laughs> that i want to like go to a movie or you know whatever else like well maybe i should consider, consider this side of it first and I heard even where Omicron came out of, there was a uptick in base rates of of uh, like cardiovascular things and other things like that, like, you know, three months later. So people went like, Omicron, mild, terrific. Everyone got it. They're all fine. And then three months oh, later, yeah. suddenly just like a huge number of people getting sick with much like the drawing the audience back to the um uh the measles example of immune amnesia and and having flus and other sicknesses afterwards that you would never in a million years then write in the report that it was related to measles but it is sure
1: no i, I can't say that i am i mean I, that's there was a paper wonderful that to out. hear there was a paper that came out this week that was really trying to document um like what is long COVID and like, Hey, let's look at people that were infected with COVID and just specifically looking at their cardiovascular um, kind of health generally. And it did seem like, and this was a a large, um, a large kind of uh, trial, not a trial, a, a large kind of descriptor. It did seem like a lot of people once infected with COVID Um, had a small uptick in pick a cardiovascular kind of symptom or outcome that you want. Um, Everything from just palpitations and or kind of an arrhythmia like um, atrial fibrillation or something like that, uh, which is an an arrhythmia of the heart to kind of more serious things like heart attacks and heart failure and things like that. Uh, A very small uptick for just everybody who had covid compared to controls and then but but a much higher uptick if you had to be hospitalized for covid or you and then an even higher one if you had to go to the intensive care unit for covid
0: well th- cuz um, this is like sepsis stuff like I, i've had i've had guests on before talking about uh sepsis where it's like you go, if you're hospitalized but you can have a little bit of sepsis. if you're hospitalized with sepsis you have Like, like the statistics on people living much more than three years after that are like horrifying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to know how much of this is um, the COVID, the the insult of COVID itself versus the insult of being hospitalized and being an intensive care unit is extremely bad for the body. Um,
0: What do you mean by that? uh,
1: And and the mind even. Um, So it's hard to know exactly what this is all saying, but it. You know, it was, it was even more data of like, you really don't want COVID if you can prevent it through being vaccinated and wearing a mask. Like, I, I, <laughs> I am going to keep wearing a mask because I just don't, I don't want COVID at all, even though I'm vaccinated and I'll be fine. I don't want that, um, that small kind of increased risk of having a new arrhythmia and having to be on blood thinners for it or needing to start seeing a cardiologist for, for, you know, my heart failure or anything like that.
0: Hmm. hmm. Um, re- w- when you mentioned the risk of, of, of being in an intensive care unit, what, what what are you referring to?
1: Oh, like how it's bad for the body. Yeah. Oh, just, um, you know, so if you're in intensive care, um, all not everybody, but most people in intensive care, certainly with covid are on a ventilator. So if you're on a ventilator, that means you have a, um, you know, a, like a 7 or 8 millimeter caliber tube um, uh, down your throat into your trachea um, to breathe for you. Because um, that's, obviously that's one of the, one of the most serious um, problems with COVID is fluid in your lungs. Um, now, that's, of course, incredibly uncomfortable to have a tube down your throat. So then you have to be on medicines to sedate you um, to keep you asleep, to keep you from pulling the tube out. Um, so those medicines all have side effects. When you are, um, lying in bed, your muscles atrophy, when you are, um, lying in bed, your muscles atrophy. And if you're not moving your legs, you have an increased risk of blood clots. So then we often will put people on blood thinners to reduce the risk of blood clots. Because if those blood clots go to your lungs, they can make your lungs even worse or be fatal as well. Um, all of those things put increased stresses on the heart um, you know if we give you too much fluid, your heart and lungs get pissed. If we don't give you enough fluid, your kidneys get pissed, and then that is you know that can lead to needing dialysis your you know your you can have internal bleeding because you're not eating food <laughs>
0: um
1: so you know. We, I, I'm sorry kind of to laugh.
0: I love a good horrifying, just like, I like going <laughs> through a tragic, just downward rabbit hole. Uh, I mean,
1: we're constantly, uh, the ICU is constantly kind of, <laughs> the body's trying to teeter this way. And so we teeter it that way, but then we accidentally push it a little too far that way. So then we have to push it back this way. And yeah. it's just constantly a balancing act. um And that's just the kind of the, the different organ systems. I mean, you know, just being on those medicines and being sedated, that mess, you know, there's ICU delirium where you get delirious and confused. Um, so, like a normal person can start hallucinating or not essentially not sleep because they don't know if it's day or nighttime and they've lost those cues of day and nighttime because they're in a room without a window. You know, th- there's, there's lots of, you don't want, you don't want to be in an ICU or God forbid, even a hospital that you really need to be.
0: Um, well, that leads me into my penultimate, uh, question. Um, I, I knew I was going to do this every time. I'm so excited about a guest. I hold on to them as long as I can. So we're, bu- we're going to bump right up against the wire, but it, I know that you need to go. Um, so, uh, what about people because of because of the current condition of the we're in a global pandemic people being aware of hospitals being overwhelmed people being aware of hospitals being a really good place of getting covid people being aware of like sometimes i i had i had a covid scare uh a few days ago and like Within hours of it, I was feeling odd, like symptomatic things that I had to. Yeah, I'm consciously, yeah. even consciously, telling myself like, "That's not we, even probable." We get that too. <laughs> yeah,
1: we get that. We get that too. So it's not just you know, just yeah. because I have an MD after my name, I get the same thing. So.
0: Yeah, help yeah, that. Um, <laughs> you must feel sick a lot, then. Holy smokes! But. What, what about some of the... I, I remember very distinctly one of the very first episodes that I did. A uh, woman, Nina Pfefferman, an epidemiologist, genius, brilliant, great communicator. Um, April uh, 2020, I think the episode came out. And her like thing that she was pleading with people to understand was... Um, that this is going to, this is running the risk of overwhelming a medical system, and and it's yeah. it's running the risk of people avoiding going to a hospital who actually legitimately need care, who are going to end up waiting too long, who have things unrelated to COVID, and it's going to exacerbate uh, like untold. Uh, yeah. Health consequences. Do you have anything to say about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that that was the whole point. Remember flatten the curve? Yeah, I mean that was God. That was so long ago.
0: Um, Wasn't it cute when one we were thing. flattening curve? I know. It did. I mean that that's it, one of the things it, does do it in, works. It like, works so well. Yeah. It works so well that we take it for granted. People are never going to see like the COVID that they didn't get. The, the, that's right. Every flattened curve is just perceived as an overreaction it's, yeah. it's never well, we know, don't the, I, we don't have a celebration because the curve is flattened
1: right well you know i um i had a cardiologist in medical school who told me um you know you shouldn't be put off by you know so uh sometimes we will put people on a blood thinner if they have this an arrhythmia atrial fibrillation to prevent strokes but obviously that blood thinner can cause bleeding, um, but you also don't want to cause strokes. And so I remember she told me, um, uh, you, you'll never see, let me get, make sure I get this right. You'll never see the strokes that you prevented um, uh, by putting somebody on a blood thinner. You'll only see the you know internal bleeding that you caused from putting them on a blood thinner. And so you'll... You, you're kind of primed by the fact that you're seeing them, that there's evidence in front of you. Oh my God, I caused somebody to to have bleeding. Um, You'll only see the things that, that um, are kind of pointing you, oh, maybe I shouldn't put people on blood thinners. And so really it's the data, these big trials that we've done that say, you know, putting somebody on a blood thinner, like reduces their risk, I think like in half or more of having a stroke. Um, And so, yeah, I, I just, that, that made me think of it like that. We, even though we flatten the curve, nobody nobody really appreciates it because we don't see all the additional cases that that didn't show up to the ER because they never existed because we flattened the curve.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 what what about what about problems that you see where people are showing up and they definitely should have and and and, and, and the, yeah. in in the in the experience of, of 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 your career before COVID, yeah, you you would have seen people at earlier stages. And now you're seeing them at later stages because of reluctance.
1: Yeah, we definitely had that in twenty early 2020 when like literally everything shut down. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would go to a shift and in the ER and there was nobody there.
0: Did you Um, get the pans? Did you get? Did you get? Did you get some pans? Lots
1: of pans. Oh Oh, yeah, for sure. Man,
0: we need to bring the pans back.
1: It was great. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, and I felt like they were cheering for me. I did a little strut. Yeah, princess wave, it, we but, need to um, bring the
0: pants back. All right.
1: Yeah. But um but yeah, I mean, you know, we only were seeing people that, you know, were were having you know, bad things. I, I think what um, you know, serious serious problems, severe pain from a, a new kidney stone or something like that or a heart attack or whatever. But we certainly saw some delayed care. I think like even more my outpatient colleagues saw more delayed care, really in the world of screening for cancer and um, and, and things like that. What I've seen um, is, you know, I, I feel like I've seen people who are just trying to not, I don't know, I felt, um, I don't think there's a right answer here, but I, I was seeing people that kind of didn't want to burden the medical system yeah. with what I, as a doctor would consider highly alarming, highly concerning symptoms. Right. And they weren't doing it because they were worried of COVID. They were t- like trying to be a model citizen and help me right. keep the ERs empty and save room in the hospital. Oh. But, you know, like people, you know, like a, uh, a young, uh, you know, 40, 50 year old with a massive weight loss, um, you know a 20 or 30 pound weight loss right. who, you know I walk in the room and I know they have a malignancy um, a cancer um, so I've seen more in San Francisco of the oh I didn't want to bother my doctor with this and I'm like what are you talking about you have you know you've you were you you have an, a perforated appendicitis because you <laughs> didn't want to bother your doctor please come in I mean that, that was the, it was really hard to find that that message, like walking the line of the right message, the right kind of public healthy message of like, don't come in, uh, don't come in unless you need to, but also definitely come in if you need to. Mm -hmm. Um, and also we'll also keep you like, yes, there's COVID (laughs) everywhere in the ER, but we'll, but also, by the way, we'll also keep you safe if we, as much as we can, if there's COVID in the ER, I mean, that, that was, it's, it's not, I don't think there is a way to message it clearly to people. Um, Hmm. Because it's it's not a clear message at all for certainly for people that are lay people and not in medicine, you know. OK. I mean, all somebody knows is I'm having chest pain. Well, is that. Oh, God, is that serious? Does, does Dr. Walker think I should come in or I shouldn't come in?
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 I I think, uh, yeah, get get people getting in their head about what used to be default behavior is. is uh, yeah really tricky especially when oh my god when it comes to vaccines it's like you don't you don't want to start getting consciousness involved in a vaccine debate just turn your fucking brain off and go and get vaccinated the way it's always been we go and get polio and measles vaccines and we just do the damn thing, and you don't think about it. Once you start thinking about it, oh my god, a horror show. um
1: Well, I mean, uh, Shane, I'll just say that, like, I actually, it's completely reasonable to be scared of right a new vaccine, new technology. Yeah, I, yeah. I would lie. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't like a little nervous when I got the shot too. But you know, I'd read the data. I felt really confident in the data. I trusted the data. Um, and uh, I I've said this many times, but I don't think there's stronger evidence um, that it's safe and effective than literally every doctor being like first in line to get the vaccine. Everyone. and bringing their bringing their kids in to be the first in, in
0: line. I know guests of mine that cried tears of joy when yeah. they got oh, wait, their vaccine.
1: That was common, especially when we, you know, the first wave was like healthcare workers and then kind of older people with comorbidities. I mean, every multiple times a week, if not every day, there was a like heartwarming story of some older person that was like, Their neighbor had, like, driven them to come get their COVID vaccine, and they were crying because this was, like, literally the first time they'd left their house in six months because someone had just been bringing them the food, and it was a sense of, like, oh, my God, could this be over? I'm 90 years old, and I'm terrified of everything, and this is my chance to...
0: Live. Yeah. yeah, I I guess where I was coming from there is is I, I, you've probably seen the example of organ donation differences within countries uh, and oh, and the yeah. opt in yeah. versus opt out yes. and <laughs> and uh, just the difference of checking a box when you're in the DMV yeah. of. It's Um, the
1: default behavior. uh, Yeah, Yeah.
0: the default behavior is you're opted in. You're going to donate your organs. And if you want to think about it and opt out of that because it creeps you out or whatever personal differences that are weird and wrong, Um, you are it's within your right to do that. But to have people make the decision to donate their organs now they're thinking about death and the dmv and all of these things that are like so complex and horrifying and everything else and i mean if there's in a world where we're just like constantly updating adobe and everything else like if there was one thing to click agree on, it would be a scientific consensus, <laughs> you know, opt yeah, fucking yeah. in by default. And then, you know, when uh, you're going to have plenty of alarms in your mind to uh, steer you otherwise. But it, like once you start getting those stories spiraling, I got to let you go in a minute.
1: Yeah, you just swirl.
0: Yeah i gotta let you go in a minute i have um i'm mindful i'm watching the clock can i have you for five more minutes for one last yeah, closing totally, question of course. okay yeah sure i want to make you i want to make you i want to make er people i want to make doctors happy i want to make them feel fulfilled again i want to make them feel appreciated i want pots in the streets what, what do you think about <laughs> What do you think about something that is um, tell me everything that's flawed with this idea? So I'm, I'm sure it's endless. Okay. Um, you, you, you know, the, the, so, you know, I think about ch- cholera and how um, we, we changed our, our water and sanitation systems um, yeah. after, after cholera um, and, and you know seemed crazy at the time and john snow not from lord of the rings but a more real hero had to break the handle off of a well so that people couldn't use this damn thing anymore and um and there there's all of these Uh, You you know, maybe maybe we go that direction with our filtration systems eventually that not just help us with covid, which is like, Hmm. in my opinion, insignificant compared to future threats, plus helping take care of the flu, common cold. Oh, my God, if I can go through life with less colds, holy smokes sold uh it just just respiratory viruses in general w- what do you think about some sort of a coding system like uh I never bought into the terrorist threat level kind of mm. stuff that happened but yeah. we do it with fires where you go camping and you go hey it's it's uh it's the dry season and it's windy right now no fires sorry this is a bummer You plan this out. You're camping here. This is what you've been looking forward to. I'm sorry. You cannot have a fire because we cannot risk a wildfire. And then other times you can totally have a Hmm. fire. And then other times there's something in between where there's like more restrictions involved. What do you think about a community kind of based like a hospital led kind of system where because not everywhere is San Francisco or New York City, some people are in fucking Wyoming with 10 people in their town and they don't actually need to worry about a mask that much ever, even in the worst yeah. of conditions. so it, it, it is is there something like that feasible that you could hmm. think of that, that or or that you've you've talked about or it, it, or or anything that you would just like to see changed from uh, I mean I'm sure so, there's been this uh,
1: in terms of like a um uh you know based on risk uh you know a, a change in policy Yeah we we
0: have people. waves and things and yeah, yeah. yeah yeah to to navigate the ebbs and flows so that people don't start thinking like this is the government trying to put slave muzzles on us that's yeah. a real thing that other people have told me by the way not me that would be horrifying thing for me to make up but a, a real thing that's been screamed at me on social media. But so so it gives it gives people a little wiggle room and, and some some room to be like, yeah, you can definitely be outside and barbecue right now in these right. conditions without wearing masks and everything yeah. else. And then other times. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I think that's what the what the, the CDC and a lot of the public health, the, the state and local public health agencies have been trying to do with those colors. Um, you know, the, the levels of community transmission, you know, by county by county or, you know, whatever levels. The problem is it is so bad in the <laughs> U.S. that we have like. You know, it's it's like when the New York Times had to add the freaking color purple to their map because. They they were like, OK, well, it's never going to get over 200. So we'll just make the cut off of 200 is red. And they were like, oh, well, it's 500 now. And they're like, oh, I guess we'll add purple. <laughs> so I, I think that's that's the goal, right, is at least is in to California not get to black.
0: I, that's our new yeah. let keep it away yeah. from black. Uh, like <laughs> i
1: mean th- i think that's that's what people are t- that's what like the intent of those colors are at least yeah. in california you know when your county gets below whatever the threshold is you go from red to orange or orange to yellow you get to do x you get to reopen movie theaters or not wear a mask at the gym you know whatever it is yeah um it's just that with every one of these surges it has been so bad in the us um
0: that that, you do a blanket that that
1: people don't feel that people don't feel the the levels because we've just been i mean if you if you look at the case numbers um the deaths did go down but i think if you if you look at the case numbers from delta to omicron we actually didn't get back down anywhere near zero um when we went from delta to omicron we like you know went up and then delta went down and then we kind of plateaued and then we, we, went, we went back up with omicron
0: people are celebrating so is, right now that there's like two hundred and fifty thousand right, new cases a day because they're like thank goodness yeah, it's, it's like, not oh, a million a day yeah. anymore
1: they're, they're excited that the rate of change is going down it's in a negative direction the, as opposed to positive but we've peaked contextual but, you know, like
0: subjective Creatures, yeah.
1: There, there's still 2,500 people or 2,000 people a day dying yeah. from COVID, and to to get back down to close to zero, you know, that's another four weeks away. That's what 60,000, maybe 50,000 more people, you know, dead before we get to to low, get back down to some sort of lull, some kind of basal rate of COVID. Um, so yeah, it, it does seem a little weird that we're that there's all this rush to Open up and no masks and all this stuff. When it's like, well, guys, we just peaked like last week, like literally like eight or nine days ago. I think we peaked with our cases or peaked with our deaths or something. But yes, we're going down, but we're still like, we're only like a third, not even a third. We're like, we barely just dropped down off the roller coaster. Like we've still got a long roller coaster ride down to to get anywhere near the the bottom. So it, it yeah, it, it seems.
0: It, 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 I mean, I think that's
1: that's the goal of those colors. It's just we haven't been able to, you know. It's like the, the CDC has has called like I think eighty different countries high risk travel zones for COVID. But then if you look at the at their rates of transmission, like literally, there's no place safer than those other countries because the U.S. is so bad.
0: Yeah, um, uh, uh, listeners, maybe maybe uh, if you want to go down a rabbit hole, look up the peak end. Rule of uh, of how we perceive uh, perceive pain, and then just consider the illusion of an end that we're experiencing as you looked at graham i gotta let you go you gotta get out of here man thank you so much for thank
1: you so much this has been so fun yeah
0: and uh and let's talk more or or send me um send me guests in the future this is a terrific conversation i'd love to thank you listeners for being such a wonderful curious people we'll talk with you more next week Okay, guys, so hope those audio issues weren't bad. You know, always trying to have considered um, uh, now we're going to have like a backup program that we're going to maybe start implementing. Um, So if the audio fails on one, we'll get it on the other. Uh, So that's a new thing that I might implement. So hopefully something like this can't happen again with a seemingly perfect, program that uh, starts acting up out of nowhere and then um, I've, I've considered mailing stuff uh, like a, a professional equipment to guests i don't want to burden guests with a bunch of things they're so busy and to uh, throw you know it issues on them and then to make them mail stuff back and around and coordinating all of it and the money involved and everything else oof I've uh, I've explored um, just making a, a home base in a bigger city with a lot of scientists so I can have a have a studio do them all um, in person um, you know I used to lug all of my equipment into uh, guest home homes or offices and do audio only um, and uh I don't know what that looks like now in terms of setting up a camera and stuff everywhere that I go. Um again, more money uh and your Patreon support helps uh us just keep on making improvements like that along the way. So, now, um I wanted to address a couple things about this episode. So, um remember when I was talking uh, with Graham and and I emailed Graham and had a little back and forth with him about this to ask him if if uh, it was okay that I um, shared some new research that I that I came across and uh, and you know I was kind of speculating on a few things. E- everyone has you know an ER doc sees different things than other medical practitioners and uh, and then you know epidemiologists and virologists. These are all. These are all, you know, it it takes a whole team of people. the uh, the The pilot doesn't do the maintenance on the plane, and the mechanic doesn't uh, engineer the uh, the plane. And you know, um, they and, and they aren't the factory workers that make the parts and blah blah blah. So, um, I'll keep on having more guests on, so you can see a lot of the. Uh, start kind of piecing more things together for yourself. One thing I was so excited that he said as a ER doc that he hadn't seen a lot of people coming into the ER, um, over, uh, when I talked about base rate issues of peculiar things happening, um, you know, months after, um, getting COVID and, uh, Graham made me feel very optimistic uh, about that and then uh, just a couple days after we had uh, this conversation uh, nature um, if you go to nature.com there's a, a february 10th that came out heart disease risk soars after covid even with mild cases and uh, just read it's a pretty quick article it's worth reading and it's um it's it's where we talked about this on the show in the past which is why i i had brought it up this is back in fall of of 2020 they were starting to uh notice heart issues with um with athletes getting COVID that were asymptomatic had just tested positive for having COVID, and and um you know did Uh, scan their heart etc afterwards so this has kind of been on my radar for um for a little while and that's why i brought it up on the show and so i was boy i will be i I will be thrilled if um if you know the, the these the concerns about long covid don't substantiate if 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 uh If Omicron truly is as mild as you know, so the the reason, yeah, I I was saying in a Instagram, the reason why I brought up some of the error management stuff as well is because you can't. There's so many people saying like, "Oh, uh, I'm cold," and Omicron's going to uh, it's going to be mild and. And I'd watch people I respected say this stuff It's like, well, if it's not, that's a big whoopsie daisy, and it's already looking like that was a that was a major failure, and uh, and and for a lot of people, it wasn't as mild as um, some in the media would have would have gave it the impression. So I, I think in terms of prevention, you err to the side of caution. But when it comes to healing, oh yeah, delusional optimism all day long are you kidding me yeah if you get sick if you get COVID yeah be optimistic that you probably statistically you are probably going to be fine and get over whatever long-term things and and uh, the belief in that that will keep you driven and motivated and taking care of yourself and uh, you know all those Placebo effects and just positive mental uh, headspaces are fantastic after the fact, but a little bit of pessimism can can go a long ways in terms of prevention, and uh, and so you know I I would all variants going forward. I think you start off assuming that they're probably a little worse than they may lead on, and then. And then afterwards, you go like, okay, doesn't seem like we need to worry that much about it. And you ease up on things a little bit. Not the other way around, in my opinion. And so uh, it, it when I saw people doing that in the beginning of this, it kind of drove me a little crazy. And um, everyone wants to be like, I was right all along. I don't know if I was right all along. But... Um, who knows? But it was just something that I've been concerned about. And it seems like there was uh, a reason for that caution. All this stuff is so complicated. Believe it or not, I don't spend all my time thinking about COVID. Um, <laughs> I, I don't blame uh, you guys to, for not wanting to uh hear about it over and over again as well and also some of it's absolutely fascinating and i can't get enough of it at the same time so um i go back and forth but uh so so that's that's something that happened and, and i talked about it and you know an er doc wouldn't necessarily be seeing they would be seeing vaccine injury stuff which is why i thought what, what graham was saying uh about that was so uh uh so powerful um, but they wouldn't necessarily be seeing the same long COVID uh, stuff. That's, that's, more, that's more things that you would, you know, schedule an appointment and go and see uh, your kind of general practitioner and, and that sort of thing. So um, I think his, uh, his lens was a little um, biased uh, there because of being in, in the ER and, and reporting uh, from that. I don't mean biased just that he wouldn't be exposed to uh, as much. You know what I mean? So, um, so something to be aware of Um, point is I, I, you know, I go back and forth all the time with like, I mean, I'm boosted. Do I just live my life normally? I don't want to wear a mask around all the time if it's totally unnecessary and nothing to worry about. And, uh, you know, I, I explore what that looks like or I take chances um, from from time to time. And uh, yeah, I, I think if you can get away with not getting covid if you if you can if you can uh, make some small sacrifices um to avoid it i think that in the future that we'll have a lot better handle on um you know treatments for these various uh you know things that were unknown at the start of this two years seems like a long time to us oh my gosh but if you look through back through the history of pandemics, which ho- hopefully I'll have a pan- another pandemic history episode soon, two years is nothing, guys. We we are lucky to be in this good of shape um, with with the vaccines and everything. Um, so there's that. Another thing. Um, little rants in my pants. If you don't want to hear a rant, probably want to turn this off. Um, you know, I've, I had a couple like, uh, intros at the beginning of, of these and, uh, especially like venting about, um, Rogan and everything else. And, uh, probably come across, um, a a bit obsessive or, uh, you know, whatever, uh, whatever else just stressed, uh, both things are true. But, um, there's also stuff that I don't share with you guys that I see from the inside, which is I so this happened again since I did this um, uh, this interview with Graham. I reached out to more people um, for uh, COVID- related stuff. And this has happened again and again, and I just haven't wanted to bring it up uh, until now, but there's an issue where lots of people are threatening and harassing scientists and doctors everywhere, all over the country. I'm talking about nobodies. I'm talking about someone will like get interviewed by their local newspaper or go on their local news channel and some lunatic, because they heard a bunch of conspiracy crap, Will find them and send them threats and everything else. Um, and so, once again, for like, I don't know how many times it's been, I had another person turn down uh, interview requests saying they weren't doing on camera interviews because of unpleasant, you know, a long story involving unpleasantness with uh, conspiracy believers. And it's just getting out of hand, you know? Um, and so if if you want, there's a, there's a, if you don't believe me that this stuff is happening, I've seen it again and again. Um, but there's another nature.com by the way, is a fantastic resource. It's, it's widely considered one of the best. It's like every scientist wants to be published in it. um, there's one. I, th- I think there's more recent ones, but there's this this one I remember from October thirteenth, twenty twenty one, titled "I Hope You Die: How the COVID Pandemic Unleashed Attacks on Scientists," and sampled three three hundred and twenty one respondents. Um, this isn't a perfect study or anything. Who have commented about COVID nineteen, any kind of. Media form, but um, like over forty percent emotional and psychological distress from doing it. Over twenty percent threats of physical or sexual violence, because um, there's tons of women that work in infectious disease stuff. By the way, and then about fifteen percent um, get death threats. That's an unacceptable number. You know, it's it's one thing if uh if you, you know it's it's not super surprising when people wanna make uh Anthony Fauci or whoever like is the head of science and infectious whoever's whoever is suggesting me We uh, wear masks or get vaccinated or these other uncomfortable things. Which, by the way, all these conspiracy things, the questioning of masks, the lab leaks, the questioning of distancing, the, the questioning of vaccines. It's all the same thing. It's denial spun into conspiracies saying masks don't work, which you just heard. They work very well. My guest and a bunch of his colleagues haven't gotten COVID in two years of having COVID patients breathe in their face. Um, it's not that those people go, oh, we figured out cloth masks aren't as effective. Therefore, we're wearing N95s. No, they're saying, therefore, let's not do anything. Lab leak isn't saying, hey, this escaped from a lab from people who don't understand emergent properties of evolution. And uh, whether it was or wasn't, the people that believe it don't have a falsifiable belief um, because there's nothing you could do to change their mind. Um, my my mind would change happily. Uh, if we know we, we should absolutely be on top of lab leaks, evolution does a better job of mutating things um, than than scientists do generally speaking so uh, why but either way be good to know if I if I heard there's a lab leak in my town I'd be like oh my gosh do I wear a biohazard suit should I uh, how much caution do we need around here but again it's to do nothing it's to say oh someone else's problem let's do nothing about it uh, vaccines go from microchip genocide slavery whatever to like wrenching the field goal posts i well i just i'm an adult man who's not going to get a vaccine because i'm just worried about i don't know about some of the, the the data that's come out about the Uh, The kids under five trials. Oh, really? That's why you, an adult, aren't getting a vaccine? No, it's just denying that there's an issue. It's denying doing anything about it. And that's the general theme with all of this is I don't want to do anything. I'd rather spend all of my time constructing reasons to not do anything, I get it. I spin the wildest tales of why I shouldn't get out of bed each day or whatever else. That's what consciousness does. But when the implications of it mean that some of the worst, angriest, dumbest, out-of-control people in our population are turning on the entire medical community, on the entire scientific community, the best and the brightest, people that usually get into the job that they're doing to do good in the world, whether they do or don't, whether they're right or wrong, or if they get everything perfect, that's another matter entirely. But at least they have the intention to do that. And they're very bright people that decided not to go and try to make a fortune on Wall Street or whatever else, and instead have some salary underappreciated salary job at a university where you don't hardly make anything, and and no one listens to anything that you have to say except for a couple grifters that spin some. Some tale to get media attention or to get on Fox News or what have you, and like you know, just enough's enough with uh, with that stuff. You know, it's we we cannot live in a world where the people, the brightest people, the hardest working people that are trying to do the most good in it, are constantly being harassed and attacked and I don't know what to do about that but it needs to end it absolutely needs to end in anyone perpetuating it needs to be stood up to needs to be it needs it to be criticized it this stuff needs to be brought to light this is in this article if you go to it you'll see this nature article that I'm talking about there's a quote in here. So, you know, anti-vax stuff has been um, around for a while. But there's a there's a quote in here that says, anytime you write about vaccines, anyone in the vaccine world can tell you the same story. You get vague death threats or even sometimes more specific death threats and endless hatred. For vaccines, this is like... like I, I get when people have an issue with... Um, uh, the the complexity of pain management or uh, uh, mental health medication—we all have those same concerns. Many scientists and doctors share those concerns, but these stories of like globalist plots to like microchip genocide people and and the the stuff that happens—the implications of those are unacceptable. I'll I'll take. I'll take doctors over, you know, how many like silly nonsense woohoo. What do you think? Like when you, I'm not talking like, I'm just venting to, for you guys that like hearing my thoughts on this. I'm not like upset with you guys. You're the ones that, uh, (laughs) that actually care about these things. Um, but, uh, the the amount of nonsense that i've just like laughed at or like laughed off rather over the years and to hear like some of these wellness people criticize vaccines which have just a remarkable history of safety and effectiveness compared to <laughs> whatever weird alternative medicine snake oil uh stuff throw i'm all for finding a placebo that works for you but not at the cost of attacking the medical and scientific community that actually knows what they're doing way more there isn't a better alternative um so anyhow this guy goes on to say um that he he uh, I think I've received more death threats due to Ivermectin, in fact, than anything I've done before. Just trying to say um, that Ivermectin probably isn't really a thing. More death threats for that. So everyone's an Ivermectin expert in there. And it's it's like the uh, the main like linchpin of their globalist conspiracy this and that and where are people getting that i let's 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 connect the dots to where people are coming up with these ideas about ivermectin that they're so passionate about and that's why it's important to understand where these things are coming from So that when you have friends and family that parrot this stuff that you know damn well have no interest in science podcasts or anything like that and have never read a science book or had any interest, that's fine. You don't need to. But if you're not going to be interested, you can't mistake incredulity for some global plot against you. If you want to convince yourself that there's some... plot, Then you better look into it. You better take some infectious disease classes yourself. Understand what you're... Or if you know more about virology than virologists do, or if you know more about medicine than doctors do, then the world needs you to become a doctor or a virologist and make change from the inside with that big 4D chest brain of yours. Um, and so... If I seem frustrated, like you follow me on Twitter or whatever, it's, I'm, (laughs) it's, I've just never experienced anything like this before COVID. (laughs) It's like, I guess this is what uh, what climate scientists have had to deal with for, um, a long time In- inconvenient truths. People don't like hearing them, but because I didn't do much climate stuff, I just never saw, uh, just how vile and gross, um, people can be. So yeah, I, I think you just don't let people get away with, uh, with this. I, I think you'd, uh, I think you don't let people just say whatever they want and say they're just asking questions and think they're smarter than everyone um, for peddling a bunch of vaccine nonsense or whatever else that's getting a bunch of people killed and getting and and making wonderful people like my my guest Graham lose uh, you know lose his passion for his job for saving people. I mean, do people want every scientist and every doctor to not care about them anymore? Because it's (laughs) it's just how how people are being treated. And so, yeah, I don't uh, I don't know what to what to make of all of it. And um, I'm trying to like keep on just trying to get people from as many different fields to explain it and not harp on COVID stuff for a long time. But a, a, one of the reasons why I didn't do an episode for like six months was because I was just like sick of getting harassed or getting it was just discouraging every time that I'd email someone and they were every uh, they they were anxious about doing any media stuff because they know this happens when they go onto the media just to talk about with their research and and how to inform people better oh my god and the idea that i mean it's one thing when it's a bunch of you know morons like i have just idiot family members that are just so stupid they're just such stupid people that are you know get angry about like love truck stop bumper stickers type shit and uh you know like rambo trump flags and stuff like that and also won't get vaccinated, even though Trump's for vaccines and all that stuff. But it's it's funny to me that like being part of the psychedelic community, all these people that think they got these super brains that are arriving at the same dumbass conclusions as uh, as my dumb drunk uncle who uh, has never once in my forty years of Forty-one years of life before COVID expressed a single interest in science, and now thinks he's uh, knows how vaccines work and whether he should take them or not. And all these all these conspiracy peddlers like Rogan and and Russell Brand and all these other people uh, spreading all this crap to a bunch of people. That at least they're profiting off of it, you know, and at least it's like a fun, exciting thing for them to explore. But people that don't know any better get their information from them. Think they're smart for hearing the complete absolute nonsense that just panders to their own intuition of denial. And then abuse people for it so there's your rant for the day Um, I go back and forth with what to say about these things but yeah I don't know anyway those of you that listen all the way to the end You are, of course, my favorites.